Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's conversation with my name is Terrence Fox, head of innovation with iAdvise US at a beautiful, snowy, ice cold, frigid Boston. Uh, did I say that with enough of an ugly accent, Fritz? Okay, nodding yes. Good. Uh, today, I'm joined by two wildly impressive good friends of ours, or at least now they're guilted into being our friends, uh, Veronica Sansev and Scott Silverman of Commerce Next. You probably know them for their very successful Commerce Next events, dinners, and summits, but behind the curtain of a well-orchestrated event are, of course, some very impressive people. Uh, starting with Veronica, uh, she is a former AOL and JumpTap executive, founder of Embolden, a community dedicated to empowering female leadership, regular contributor to Forbes. It's a, a name you'll see there frequently. She leads the practice for Chameleon Collective and is a consultant, speaker, and connector in the retail industry. Uh, and then on to Scott, uh, or Mr. Cyber Monday, as I'm going to now start calling him, as he co-invented the day. I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, he's a former shop.org executive director, board member, co-founder of the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum, consultant, connector, and 15-year e-commerce veteran. And it's such a pleasure to have them both here for today's special segment on how D2C brands built their identity through experiences. Scott, Veronica, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hey, yes. pleasure Hello. to be with you. I, yeah. love that, uh, I love your funky intro music. Yeah. Fun fact, that's actually Fritz playing live saxophone every time. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's gotten very good at it. But he does actually play saxophone, so it would be cool for him to learn. Uh, in my opinion, we can possibly guilt them into it. Uh, but yeah, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. And it's nice to be on the other side. Typically, I'm at one of your great events. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously that watching you guys run around frantically making them a success. So it's nice to have you seated and uh, put you in the crossfire, ask you a bunch of questions. I feel like it's much more relaxing to be on this side of the camera. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, I kind of like asking the questions rather than answering them. But Hmm. Uh, yeah, Fritz runs a tight ship, though, so you don't know the anxiety on this side until you live it. Um, so uh, both of you, and I'll ask that you please be kind to one another uh, uh, and don't cut each other off. Just teasing. Uh, but how have you been keeping yourself busy the last 12 months? Uh, yeah, 12 months now, almost March. During this COVID transformation crazy time, I'll, I'll say briefly. You mean besides working all the time? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I've been kind of spending my time um, listening to podcasts, reading blog articles, watching a lot of Netflix. You know, what can, what else do you do these days? Yeah. <laughs> Scott, similar for you? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, definitely enjoying uh, binging some Netflix shows uh, with my wife and trying to exercise as much as I can. And uh I mean, the, the learning stuff hasn't changed all that much in terms of reading and podcasts and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. An already kind of sedentary lifestyle for some of us has really compounded and become incredibly sedentary if you're not careful. So, yes, uh, I agree. I've been trying to do that myself. Just get up and take breaks, go for walks. Uh, it's key, especially nowadays. Um, now, I love asking this question to both of you because you, of course, are beacons as it pertains to the retail environment and uh, you know how to stay in front of consumers. But let's talk about Veronica and Scott as consumers. Uh, tell us about your most memorable digital experience uh, that either of you have had as a consumer. 
Um, well, I'm happy to kind of start off because I'll kind of um, pull from what Scott mentioned when it came to kind of exercise. I have been thoroughly enjoying the Peloton digital um, programming. So we don't actually have a Peloton. We ordered one, but we don't have one yet. But we're, we've been doing the weights and all of those exercises. And what really kind of got me, I guess, as a community organizer and as an event organizer was how they're able to create this sense of being in a class with other people and being part of a community and working towards like group goals and individual goals. It's really quite an amazing experience. And, um, you know, kudos to them for really rising to the occasion during these COVID times. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's funny you say that because I, I was laughing with my siblings the other day. There's something to be said about Peloton, uh, brands like Crocs, uh, CrossFit. How is it that you can know someone has a Peloton before you even talk to them? Right? <laughs> the community is raving for these sorts of brands. Uh, it, I joke with my dad. He's a longtime Crocs wearer. But even if you weren't seeing him wearing Crocs, you know he has them in his closet. He tells him about them. Yeah. And Scott, how about you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, trail off of the sedentary, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the less healthy thing. And it's a uh, cocktail courier, which is something we did at our last summit for a happy hour. And they ship you this box of a mix for cocktails. In our case, it was an old fashioned or a smoky old fashioned and have things like wood chips to, you know, light on fire and fun stuff like that. And they had a mixologist who was a bartender uh, based in Chicago and has been really active uh, during the pandemic going on Zooms and teaching people how to make cocktails and just mm -hmm. giving people an opportunity to talk cocktails. And, you know, people were asking her her favorite cocktail or favorite bourbon or favorite tequila and people were really engaged in it. It was a lot of fun. And I felt, you know, good that, you know, someone that, you know, normally would have been having a hard time, you know, was, you know, been having some good work to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and for someone who only drinks uh, beer occasionally, I, I don't even know what these things are. Wood chips could very well be in it. Is that the case, Scott? Uh, well, you, it's a it's a smoky. What you do is you light the wood chip on fire and you put the glass mm -hmm. over it, and the glass fills a smoke. So then, after you mix the cocktail in the glass that was filled with smoke, there's a residual smoky flavor that's there. Mm. I'll pretend I know what I what I'm talking about a peat flavor, then, right? Something like that. Is that something like that? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Uh, now, what have either of you learned about yourself as a consumer? during this period of uh, a social transformation, digital transformation the past 12 months. Scott, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's not as much about myself as just how resilient small businesses are at adapting mm -hmm. um, to digital. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I feel like I'm going to have a little bit of a um, repeat references to alcohol here. Um, certainly, like my local liquor stores have been really impressive the way they jumped on to curbside and, you know, pick up and, um, and just online ordering for, a, you know, a small retail uh, establishment, a liquor store, and, uh, and just the resilience, like the ability of people to adapt. I mean, my 84 uh, year old mom, um, it's amazing. Like she has been doing these classes 
these learning classes and she would go in person before the pandemic. Now she's going on Zoom. And she said to me the other day, I don't, I don't know if I really want to go in person anymore. The Zoom is so good. And, you know, it took a while to get her to figure out it, figure it out. But she's really, it's amazing how well she's uh, adapted. Oh, that's so cute. And I agree, the res the restaurant resiliency is pretty impressive. Like our local pizza parlor had like a very basic um, curbside where you base where you place the order and then you just text them when you get there and you tell them your parking spot number and they put the pizza in the trunk. It's been pretty impressive. Um, but the one thing I would still say is for me, and, and I would probably extend this to kind of pre-pandemic, but I doubled down on it post-pandemic, is I definitely prefer everything delivered. It's like, you know, having the pandemic just gave me an excuse not to shop in person at all. Just everything comes to the house and it's great. And um, really the, the retailers have done an amazing job, not just with delivery, because we've had that for a long time, but the reverse logistics and how easy it is to return products. If mm. you don't like them, it just really gives you no excuse not to have everything delivered because it's pretty easy to bring, to send it back if you don't, if you don't want to keep it. Yeah, and uh, grocery shopping, I can't imagine I'm going to want to go back in the store ever, right? Why would you? You can just do it online quickly. You sit there and they bring it to your car. Uh, yeah. It's, it's incredible how this has changed so quickly. And your example of the pizza parlor reminded me, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was like uh, impressive how quick they did it. But I think Dick Sporting Goods, uh, someone was referenced, I can't remember who, uh, maybe Steve Phillips on Dick Sporting Goods. But he was talking about how um, the first few days, one of their stores just simply put a phone number against the door, and that was the number to call for curbside pickup. Yeah. Um, so it was just a sheet of paper against the window that they were using, but the, hey, it was a start. Uh, and Jennifer Benda from, from Dick's um, spoke at our holiday summit, and she talked about what they did. It was, it was, it was really impressive. Yeah, it's so fast. Uh, so let's get to the meat of today's discussion. Um, and uh, for those of you who have somehow not been a part of Commerce Next events, uh, these are your two main points of contact alongside Alan Dick as well, who's on your team. Uh, but uh, Veronica and Scott, they have these founder showcase sessions where they bring these major retailers on and essentially they have one-to-ones and long discussions with what's going on, what are they doing? Naturally, a huge learning opportunity for uh, folks like us and everyone who's listening. So talk to me about the founder showcase and any key learnings you guys have seen lately. I mean, I would say broader than the founder showcase, that was like one element of our marketing summit series, but we, we, we actually had five days of content from January through early February. Um, and it was really great. We, um, we talked to a bunch of founders, some from larger companies like Rothy's and some from smaller companies, um, like, like the yes, or, um, or even like really small companies like Akalo and Gem. And we learned a lot from from those conversations. You know, it definitely seems like the most important thing is having a good product because that's the foundation. Ultimately, that's what you're selling and consumers need to like what they get. But it really seems like after the product, the second most important thing is having a brand story. Mm. And a lot of times that comes from things like um, taking a stand. So on issues, whether it's inclusivity or sustainability or it comes from you know creating community, um, but it is the brands that kind of have that story that really resonate in consumer minds. Um, and we were lucky to have a lot of them on our stage. Uh, that brand saliency, so to say, right? Yeah, the saliency, that story that like, you know, 
I'm, I might love my Rothy shoes and actually I have four pairs, so I really do love them. But like when people ask me about them, I tell them that they're washable and that they're made with recycled plastic. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I know the story, right? Cause it's, yeah. they've, they've really, it makes me feel good about buying them because I, I know I'm doing something that is good for the planet. And Scott, how about from your end? Well, I mean, I think the uh, the brand story is really important. And one of the themes that we heard from so many of our speakers was the power of uh, authenticity. And I think if you have a, a good brand story, you need to be authentic in the way that you are kind of living that story on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, especially for these uh, companies that are young and their brands are being formed now. I mean, we learned that a lot in the Founder Showcase. Um, an example of that would be uh, one of the companies, Veronica mentioned Gems, which is a uh, vitamin supplement. They come in these little cubes um, and they're made of whole foods. And um, they really work well with influencers, but they don't pay the influencers a commission or put them into an affiliate program, which is pretty common, they will reward them, you know, one, just by recognition and by, you know, giving them product to try first and giving them input. Um, I think it's just, a, you know, an example of how they're really taking that idea of authenticity um, and bringing it to life. And a, another example is, um, and again, here I am with the alcohol references again, Acalo, um, which is a patch uh, that is used to avoid hangovers that basically you put it on your arm and before you start drinking and it will, you know, put the, you know, vitamin B and other things in your body to avoid the hangover. Um, and we learned about the power of like really relevant partnerships with them. So yeah, they could probably partner with a lot of different, you know, companies or people or so on, but they really found the, the right ones that one of the examples they gave was the standard hotel because it was so perfectly aligned, you know, their brand with the audience. So that is, uh, I think one thing I th that these younger brands, I think have to teach to some of the more established brands about being more as authentic as possible. Uh, and to, to keep going with your alcohol theme, I've got <laughs> scribbled on my notepad, Scott, no hangover, Akalo. How have I not heard of these guys before? That's a great idea. Huh? Um, so, uh, have you seen any big success stories or anything that kind of have made, have made the two of you proud? I'll say as e-commerce veterans working with these brands over the years, uh, what has, uh, what has excited you? What have you been proud of? Gosh, I think our industry has had like a lot of success stories and, and a lot of really kind of interesting developments. Um, we, one of the speakers, um, at our marketing summit series was Julie Bornstein, who's had an illustrious career. Um, previously COO of Stitch Fix and at other large retailers like Urban Outfitters. And she's the founder of a company called The Yes. And um, they launched in the pandemic, which, you know, is not an easy thing. You have to get your the word out about your product. But they started as a mobile first app, really lets you, um, they try to make it like both entertainment and shopping. So one of the things that people would like about in-person shopping is it's fun. You know, you have this experience, you try on things, you're, it's a social experience. And so they tried to kind of create some of that fun experience and have you swipe left or right if you like a product and don't like a product. And then they kind of create a personalized curated um, product assortment just for you. 
Um, and I think that that, like what they've accomplished in a time when people are not out there in, in the world is pretty impressive. But I think there's also been traditional companies like we saw, we heard stories from Coach, they were actually on the same panel and they talked about, um, you'll you'll be you'll like this, Terrence. They talked about how they turned their associates into advocates and kind of put them mm. on all of their social channels. Or sorry, Terrence. Um, and um, they they like their their um, sales associates are on WeChat in China and they're messaging with clients and they're on their social channels in the U.S. and they're also you know doing personal styling calls over Zoom and they really took this group of people who are. Um, really their most kind of loyal and brand um, familiar with the brand. And they really turn them into these advocates that can be multi, multi-channel and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, you know, I thought you would like that one, Terrence. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Because I, I the, the one thing that of course we preach so intensely is that you have all these wonderful resources at your disposal as a brand being your most passionate customers or your retail associates, you have them. Uh, and it's been exciting to see, of course, uh, how they're being now purposed in the digital experience, right? There's a place for all of them. Uh, exactly. And yeah. otherwise they would have had to, you know, lay them off or kind of sideline them. And then you have to rehire them down the road. This way you, you're utilizing your your most avid fans and really helping serve your customers at the same time. And your customers are not just coming to your site. They're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And you should be one single organism. I won't keep... Uh, uh, preaching to this, but uh, Scott, what did you like to add to this? Um, I mean, we I, we saw a theme of this idea of purpose-driven brands, and one of the really good examples of that was Foot Locker. And Veronica uh, managed this session with um, an individual. His name is Guy Harkless. Um, he is the GM for East Bay and Champs. Uh, he also was uh, tapped to spearhead their $200 million, uh, Foot Locker's $200 million commitment to the black community. Um, and it was interesting hearing their story of how they've executed on this and how they ha selected this um, as a, you know, to be part of their brand. I mean, it, it makes sense given, you know, they have a very high percent of um, black people that are store associates and um, that are, that their customer base as well. So it was great to see that they were made such a significant commitment and hear them talk about it. And again, it's, it gets to this, you know, authenticity type of theme. And I just want to add to what Scott said, because there's something that kind of came out in Guy's talk that I thought was really relevant. They look at their initiative. First of all, they kind of pivoted, not pivoted. They, they really adjusted their mission even before the pandemic and really went from a company that sells products mm -hmm. to being a more mission driven company that is serving the communities that they're in. Um, but, you know, coming from that, they look at that $200 million um, contribution that they're making as an investment. They look at it as economic development for the communities that they serve. And Sephora, um, Deborah, yeah, the CMO of Sephora spoke and she had a very similar kind of outlook on it. There's a lot of amazing benefits from being inclusive and really taking a stand and combating some of the um, social injustice issues. But what I loved about both Guy and Deborah Yeah was they talked about the fact that it makes business sense. If you're not serving your customers, if you are not, um, if you don't have products that are relevant to them, if you're not making them feel welcome, if you're not recognizing their loyalty, you're gonna lose those customers. And, and that, 
it just makes business sense to really invest in that segment and make sure that they're getting the same amazing customer experience that all of your customers are getting. Yeah, it's a, a nice that you bring up guy. I met him for the first time on Friday. Uh, yeah, he's a wonderful person. And of course, he's got a great team. I, I've been very impressed with what they've been doing. And I think uh, they shut down for Black Friday, right? I think they're uh, also participating in that. They decided not to sell on Black Friday this year. Or maybe it's been multiple years. Um, but yeah, they've done a lot in terms of pivoting. And of course, making sure, as, as you mentioned, the 200 million giving back because it's an investment, like you said, very simply. Yeah. Great. Uh, so we've talked a lot about authenticity. Um, I've picked on each of you about some success stories and things that you've been impressed by. Uh, is there anything else that you think would be important to, to touch on with authenticity or things that you've learned from other clients? We've got so many notes in our pre-discussion call. Uh, yeah. I want to make sure we skip something that's important to you. Well, I would say one thing that's really important to touch on, especially because we're talking about customer experience, is the link between customer experience and community specifically, because yeah. I think those two are very related. Like the brands that I think are having a lot of organic success don't view their customers as just shoppers. They view them as part of their community. And you yeah. see that exemplified in how they bring their customers into even things like product creation. So Food 52 is a great example of that. Um, Claire Chambers, their, um, I think she's their chief commercial officer, um, spoke at the Marketing Summit series. And she talked about how, um, so first of all, they started as a content company. And what they would do is they would have these like forums and they would talk about like, what are your needs when you're cooking? Like, which products do you wish you had in your kitchen? And, and one of the things that came out is like a lot of people, when they bake, they use their apron to, to take the products out of the oven, but the apron's usually not thick enough. And so they invented an apron with like pot holders, like thicker pot holders in the bottom. So you could take the, the baked goods out of the oven and just with your apron. And they have a number of other products that they've come up with in the same way. Glossier, they're also known for this. You know, Glossier, when they came out with their mascara, I remember the story they asked, um, you know, customers, which mascaras they love and why, and what do they love about their mascara and used all this feedback to develop a product. I mm. think when you look at your customers as more than customers and you look at them as being community members, they really rise to the occasion and give you a lot of value in terms of like what you should be doing to serve their needs. Uh, I love that apron example too, Veronica, because it feels like the when the ketchup bottle was finally turned around. It's just, ah, oh, of course, why not, right? Uh, it's yeah. great. And Scott, what do you have for us here? Um, I mean, I guess I w would kind of go back. I, I mean, uh, if we're talking kind of big picture things that we learn kind of even beyond, you know, community and authenticity is just um, there were two uh, sessions that stood out for me. One was Charlie Cole, who's the CEO of FTD and um, has been a great supporter of Commerce Next and, and always has, um, you know, great insights to share. And he talked about building a data-driven culture. Um, and I, you know, strongly encourage anyone to go and watch that. It's a 20-minute talk. And um, he talks about, you know, the power of being new in an organization. And even if you're not new, pretend you are. He talked about connecting being a data-driven culture to the way you're compensating people. He gave this example of how they've been compensating based on the number of reports that every person in the company can now pull on their own rather than 
not you know saying that they had to make a decision because they didn't have the data, for example. Um, and then there was a panel discussion we had about building the marketing org for today's growth. And there was uh, this was with Untucket and J. Crew and FSA Store. Uh, there were a couple of things that came out of that. I think one of them was around the importance of communication. And the, the idea there was that good communication can overcome an imperfect organizational design, but a, you know, a, a good organization design cannot overcome bad communication. And talked about the importance of groups uh, rallying around common goals and vision um, and the, the org structure and the communication that's needed for that. So I, I thought those were some great, um, taking us back to, to fundamentals. It's not about some new technology or channel or things like that. It's basic business. And it, it, it's important for us to always keep that in mind. Absolutely. Uh, so we're already at 26, 26 minutes past that, the hour. Uh, what's next? You guys always have something going on. What's going on this week or next? Scott, you want to Yeah, so we have, a, uh, yeah, so we have a couple webinars coming up. Uh, the okay. next one's on. We, so we do week uh, webinars every Wednesday uh, okay. when we don't have a big event going on like the Marketing Summit. So uh, we have one coming up that is going to be looking at uh, gifting, and that's on February 17th. We have another one on February 24th looking at creating meaningful customer experiences and thinking about things like navigation. And uh, there's more coming up, but we've been doing virtual lunches uh, probably, you know, two, three or four times a month um, with small groups. It's a lot of fun to get them together on Zoom and talk about what's going on. Did I miss anything, Veronica? Well, we have our marketing, um, we have our back to school summit that's going to be in May. So we're not, we haven't even started marketing that yet. But um, I know it's crazy because it feels like the year just started. But on May 5th, we have our back to school summit. And um, our focus is really helping retailers get ready for back to school. But in our minds, it's also a little bit of back to work because mm -hmm. I think people are going to more people are going to go back to work in the fall, like to their offices and like, what does that mean? And how do you get consumers ready for it? So that's going to be kind of our next bigger event that we're rallying towards. And Wonderful. You know, there's so much we've already done. And I strongly encourage folks to go to the Commerce Next YouTube channel. We have been putting all of the content there for anyone that wants to rewatch it. Um, and feel free to subscribe. We're adding things all the time so you can get notified. Yeah, that's why I said you guys are always up to something. You always have something hot and pressing right around the corner. Uh, it's truly impressive. And again, I thank you both so much for joining us today. Uh, this was a ton of fun. CommerceNext.com. If you somehow don't know who Veronica Sansev, Scott Silverman, and Alan Dick are, this is your introduction to two of them. Uh, but please check out their site. They have wonderful dinners and events, uh, albeit now it's virtual for now. Uh, but we're looking forward to your next in-person one. And thank you both for joining. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, nice to see you. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, join us next week at 11 a.m. Eastern, unless I'm wrong, but we're usually 11 a.m. Eastern. I think we are again this time next week. Uh, 12 Eastern, I knew it. Uh, next week is our session with uh, the wonderful and talented Lynn Hunsaker. She's the Chief Customer Officer of Clear Action Continuum. Uh, 12 o'clock next Tuesday. Thanks again for tuning in.